When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What is going on, Bar Down Breakdown? We got Nick from the fantastic Bayside What's joining up? us to talk some <laughs> music and hockey today. Nick was actually one of our first guests on the podcast like, wow. like three years ago. It was like episode five. We're at episode <laughs> 169. So Excellent. It's been a while. A lot has happened. I'm a podcaster like, now. You are. Oh, my and, goodness. And there it's was like so a long. whole pandemic in between the last time we had you on and everything it's it's been uh kind of wild but we're super stoked to have you back yeah Um, thank you you know you you guys did your 20 year then 21st year reunion tour Mm -hmm. uh well not reunion tour just your your anniversary anniversary (laughs) tour and uh you know a lot has happened so i'm just super stoked to have you on and and also your Hockey team is in the playoffs, so we got to talk about that. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah. So, where do we start? Let Let's talk. Uh, Strangest faces. Uh, that just came out like mm-hmm. two weeks ago, a week ago. It's uh, about nine days. Nine days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, already a hundred and thirty four thousand streams. Like that is yeah. kudos to you guys. Still doing it all these years, just crushing it. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's. A, huge numbers man I'm yeah sure you guys i mean one, one thing i've kind of uh, i use spotify and i assume you're using the spotify with that number but there's also plenty of other places that are streaming so it must be more than 134 oh yeah you know, like, like whatever apple, apple music yeah. is so yeah i mean uh, our career you know we're, we're lucky enough that our fans are still just as engaged if not more engaged now than they've ever been um and we're super appreciative of that and we whenever we're writing songs we keep them in mind, you know, like we're not trying to change our style so much uh, at any point where someone who's liked us for 20 years, 10 years, whatever it is, is, you know, starts to question what we're doing. So a song like Strangest Faces and we have a couple other songs uh, in the can already recorded. We just try to get better. I don't know. Like, like it's really hard to explain. That sounds so simple, but we try to have like this basis 
of what our sound is and we just constantly try to grow it and make it uh appealing to new people if they're hearing us for the first time but also keep every single one of our fans that uh we owe so much to happy and uh and here now we have this new song yeah and you know like you said 20 years of doing this over 20 years of doing this and, and like you're you guys have the bayside is a cult like saying it, i think it's true like your your fans are are sticking with you guys all these years and like it's it's crazy the the spotify number game and like all of those things where at the end of the day you guys are still filling rooms and like yeah. that's that's what's most important and, and like you, you're getting on all these big festivals and it, it's it's lovely to see man I'm, I'm super stoked for you guys yeah thank you it's uh you know it's a never-ending process it's it's the never-ending process of a middle-class band <laughs> we know we can never rest on our laurels uh i'll probably say how appreciative i am of our career and our fans a million times while we're talking um but it's it's just any misstep or missed opportunity or anything i think as as popular as our band is we would like feel it you know like we it would it would kind of hurt us so we're, we're we're as calculated as can be and uh we work as hard as we ever have and uh it's just great that we have so many records and songs and you know we're going on tour thrice uh in probably about 10 days um so yeah i mean it's really like you said all about it's about touring and filling those rooms and and that's been our bread and butter forever i mean even when there was we, it's really kind of a weird thing how the trajectory of the last like i don't know 20 25 years of of being in a band has changed going from selling cds to selling no music because of napster and digital downloading and stuff and then ipods kind of starting to correct the whole course then streaming makes every song ever in your pocket but we don't get paid for it <laughs> so that's terrible but all throughout all of that if we weren't constantly growing and selling more tickets every tour we wouldn't be a band and that goes for every band i mean it's really the most important thing is is selling merchandise and buying tickets so our fans uh support us endlessly when it comes to that yeah and and there's just that crazy shift because you know, with these TikTok bands that are blowing up now, they they have millions of monthly yeah. streams, but then can't get twenty kids to their shows. Yeah, yeah. And you know, a stream at the end of the day, what what does that mean? It's the the fans that are super loyal that are willing to go out on a Tuesday night to mm -hmm. go to a show. Like that's something that you guys have been building for twenty plus years. So yeah. It, that's not going away no it's it's a part of the culture i think you know i mean to this day i still go to a million shows <laughs> a week you know I'm, I'm lucky enough that right now i've been home during like a good spring touring season so i i have severe fomo when it comes to like missing bands on tour so there, there's plenty of times where i'm going to three or four shows a week and it's still a huge source of uh joy for me and uh i'm i'm i always have this uh kind of when i'm seeing one of my favorite bands kind of crush it on stage i'm like oh i can't wait to go back on tour like i can't wait to go do this so it's uh it's it's almost like fuel for me so right now i'm, I'm really stoked I'm, I'm a little stressed because we leave in like i don't know 10 days or so and i have so much on my plate but i'll make it all work and once we get on the road i'll, I'll just be real 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 happy that's for sure
So I'm I'm guessing like it's got to be more than just like getting your laundry ready at this point. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. Well, really the biggest thing, and this is like super nerdy, but um, Star Wars Celebration, which is like the big Star Wars convention, um, is actually here, like a town over from me in Anaheim. Um, And that is this Thursday through Sunday. And I leave for tour Tuesday. So (laughs) I basically the second half of this week is spoken for like 24 hours a day is basically spoken for. Then I have about one day to do laundry and stuff like that. Um, And uh, and then I'm hitting the road. And thankfully, it's only about a three week kind of mini tour with Thrice coming up. So it's uh, not too long, uh, not too too long of a a tour. So uh, packing i could probably do in 10 minutes for a three-week tour that doesn't seem difficult at all so uh, it's more about you know i've actually i'm working through i'm on like long-term injured reserve right now my finger my right middle finger on my right hand i busted a tendon six weeks ago today um so that has stopped me from being able to rehearse and i'm actually going at 8:45 monday morning to the orthopedist to see if i could kind of take this splint off and start using my right hand properly again so that's a whole other thing it's like i need to rehearse for tour but i have not been able to so that's just adding to my uh my stress right now was that a hockey injury it was uh the you know this is normally a sports injury it's a football and baseball normally injury because you kind of just jam your finger either like quarterbacks will jam fingers on helmets Baseball, obviously, basketball, you could just jam your finger on just about anything. Uh, I don't, I haven't really heard of it in hockey. Um, This, however, was me jamming my finger on my car seat when I went to go pick up my sunglasses. And I picked my finger, I picked up the sunglasses to go put them on my face. And I noticed that from like my top knuckle to the tip of my finger was just hanging. No pain. No, nothing. Like, I couldn't move it. So I was like, this is really weird because I assume if I can't use something, it's broken. But there's no pain. So I went immediately to urgent care, and it's something called mallet finger. It's just basically I ruptured the tendon that is, you know, three quarters of an inch long from the top knuckle. And I just couldn't move my finger my the, from the top knuckle to the tip of my finger. I couldn't move it. Um, and the recovery time is six to eight weeks. So today is six weeks. <laughs> so I'm hoping I get good news tomorrow morning. Jeez. Yeah. Something Very like annoying. Reaching for cool your sun- sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's sunny out. Let me get my sunglasses. Oh, geez. I got to be careful now. I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to get <laughs> paranoia, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get the, the, I forget what those things are called that you can like yeah, yeah, yeah. put on the back of your sunglasses and just wear them now. So I don't have to reach. Yeah, what are those called? Croaky something I don't know. I can't yeah, I, there. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't think I ever knew what they were called. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, like you mentioned, you're a podcaster now. You got mm. two of them. So, or or is there more than two? No, two, two. So, Definitely. like doing this on the road, are are you bringing all of your equipment out to? Yeah, going? it's it's pretty simple. I did it on the last on our 21st anniversary tour. Um, you know, I just have a mic and I record directly. When I'm doing my radio show, um, that's just me, so I could kind of do it at any time. Um, and I just have this mic and dire- and record directly into Anchor, um, which is super easy. And the Star Wars podcast, Thank the Maker, um, yeah, I mean, I really just need somewhere quiet and a microphone, and I can make it work. Um, last tour though i missed about half of those like that that one was a little tough not necessarily because i didn't have time but like my time off didn't align with 
everyone else's recording schedule. So we'll see. I'll, uh, you know, there, there's three hosts and there's backup hosts and there's guests. Like I, I miss doing it because I talk about star Wars regardless of whether I have a <laughs> podcast or not, but, um, they'll, they'll be fine without me for a couple of weeks. Hell yeah. And, and you do that show with the dude from yellow card, William Ryan key and, mm-hmm. and the bassist of story of the year, right? Yeah. So Adam Russell. Yep. Yeah. So you got kind of a, a, crossover of your own like yeah the alternative it's, it's... music and star wars crossover. exactly I love that. yeah i mean it's it's been fun i mean the the story goes is i was actually when they started the podcast pretty early on um i was a guest on their podcast also like maybe even episode five i don't know um but uh it <laughs> watch was... out tommy's coming for you <laughs> yeah they were uh they actually came to my house where i am re- recording right now we we talked about the movie solo and the next day, Ryan hit me up and was just like, man, that was really awesome. Like, would you, you know, we've been talking about how cool that was. Like, do you want to like be the third host? And and basically what I just said to you, I'm like, I'm going to talk about Star Wars regardless. I might as well do it into a microphone. So <laughs> here we are. We're like 115 episodes in. Unbelievable. That's awesome. <laughs> and I, I'm going to admit it right here. I, over the summer, watched Star Wars for the first time. Mm-hmm. And I think because I didn't have like that nostalgic, like totally, yeah, feel like connection. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's gonna be for me. Like I, yeah, I, I, I went in and I was just like, man, I really want to like just be invested into Star Wars, yeah. like everyone else. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I guess because I also like watched the the first one or the fourth one or whatever it is, yeah. and obviously like technology and movies has just come such a oh totally (laughs) so the the, my my whole spiel with that is like people ask me it's like oh i've never watched star wars what order should i watch it in and i'm like it's a little bit of a tricky question and the proper way i think is to watch like episode four five and six so the original ones you have to understand the gravity of the uh, how those films were made. Like nothing even remotely looked like that in 1977, and yeah. there were movies afterwards that looked bad. It's not like they even they were so far ahead of the game with their graphics and and just practical effects and all these things that stuff after it for the next you know decade still looked like like garbage compared to it. So they were so ahead of the game. It changed the world. It was like the first like huge like sci-fi blockbuster type of thing. So you kind of have to keep that in mind while you're watching those. And then I would almost say you watch those just to know what, how it changed the world. And then watch it all in order again, including four, five, and six. Then go watch one, two, three, four, five, six again, seven, eight, nine, just to stay with the, to, to this pick up the whole stories but i get it i i fully when people ask me and i'm i say exactly what you said like i'm I'm almost 42 years old i grew up with it it's a huge source of joy in my life and to be uh a part of such a huge community now with podcasting and costuming and just collecting and all this stuff it's it's a lot more than just the movies for me and uh it's it's tough though i those movies uh, the only way I could say, like, if the technology is, like, a bum out, just think that, like, go watch, like, Star uh, the Star Trek the movie, which came out, like, after Star Wars, and look at how bad it looks. You know, like, the technology was groundbreaking, and it continues to be groundbreaking. So, um, yeah, I, I, I fully get it. It's it's a tough one to, to kind of go back on if it was never really your thing. 
Yeah, I, I blame my father. He didn't get me. <laughs> he didn't get me. Into I mean, it. What, what's cool to me is that like every like it's been an entity for my whole life, obviously, and uh, people have different entry points, and it's not always just the original movies. Like, there's the prequels, so like you have kids that are like 30 now, maybe 25 now. That though, that's their Star Wars, and then even around 2008 or 9 a huge animated show came out and that's some people's entry point now there's like younger kids who are into the sequels i mean i like it all but there's because it's a generational thing there's different entry points for people so uh not everyone's into the originals you know like i'm sure everyone who likes star wars is into the originals but it's not necessarily everyone's favorite at this point and then obviously you know being associated with disney these days Mm -hmm. has taken it to a completely different level yeah yeah it's and a lot <laughs> I, I noticed that you guys went to like their new kind of like starship cruiser oh, yeah 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 <laughs> like it, it's like a seven day thing or five oh day no thing? i wish it's like a two day thing barely it's, oh it's only two <laughs> days okay yeah yeah but yeah. does it feel like you're on a cruise have you ever been on it, an actual it's, cruise? i've been Is on a it... cruise and there's a lot of baseline cruise things that they do um it's meant to feel like you're in space there's no windows in the place and that's didn't bother me at all it was amazing like anywhere there were there should be a window there's just giant led screens that make it look like you're flying and they're constantly in motion um it's basically like it's basically uh, the best way i could describe it is it's like a live action role-playing dinner theater hotel it's there's there's so much going on at all times you get to kind of choose your own involvement with how much fun you have um but there's an ongoing there's multiple stories going on all at once so you could kind of choose your path whether you want to be like good guy bad guy like shady guy <laughs> like like there's definitely different roles you could play and uh the more you get into it the more fun you have and uh it's really hard to explain or even show people pictures or videos and make it look cool it's like the coolest experience i've ever had and I don't know how to tell people how cool it was without them just like going and experiencing it. Cause you, you film it and you're like, that kind of looks cheesy. This picture kind of looks cheesy. I talk about it and I'm like, Oh cool. Live action role playing dinner theater. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like, it's just, it was so much fun. Like there at every point of that, like 48 hours, everyone who's in the hotel is like kind of dressed up like at least 80 percent of the people are dressed up as either some sort of character or something like that it's like this is as close as we're gonna get to like living star wars and it's obviously not for everyone but for someone like me and everyone i was with it was absolutely like just so much fun and are you allowed to leave or like once you go in you're you're Mm -hmm. in there for the two days and yeah i mean yeah, obviously you could go do whatever. I, I heard of somebody who didn't even want to stay in the hotel and they actually stayed in a different hotel and just came back uh, in the morning. Um, and on the second day they bring you, it's, it's pretty much right behind galaxy's edge in Disney world. So you, on the second day, they give you like a eight hour window or so to go to Disney world. Basically. I mean, I, because I live close to Disneyland, I only spent like three or four hours in galaxy's edge out there. Cause I knew like I, I've experienced that, you know, a million times at this point. So I really wanted to just go spend more time, like actually on the ship. And, um, yeah, you could definitely leave if you want to, but it was more like, man, I don't even want to like go to sleep. I was having such a good time just <laughs> admiring everything. And, and really the coolest thing is, which like I, you know, for us, we were the second voyage ever. It started on March 1st and we were March 3rd. 
So oh, only wow. one group of like pedestrians had been on it before. So we had like this absolutely shiny brand new toy with like the cast and crew was still like fresh, like everyone, even they were having a great time still, which, you know, I think in a couple of years it'll like kind of mellow out a little bit, but maybe not. I don't know. It's, it's expensive. So you got to get your money's worth and, and hopefully, uh, it seems like it's doing well, you know, like it seems like it's constantly booked uh, months out. So, um, yeah, I mean, I recommend it if you're even like a medium sized Star Wars nerd, like save your money and, and go experience that because there's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Yeah, I I need something like that, like a Mighty Ducks inversion. Yeah, <laughs> well, that that's honestly I came on like again, I was having a really hard time trying to explain to people why it was so cool. And I always said like i wish every fandom had this experience whether it was yeah mighty ducks like hockey or a marvel thing or whatever and in a weird way i say there's a lot of pressure on this particular project to do well and if it doesn't then we're not getting a marvel one we're not getting a whatever you know like we're not getting a harry potter one whatever it is so it's like a lot of pressure on this star wars one and it could only get better like if they built a marvel one that came like that opened in the next five years it would be a lot better than star wars one because they they're learning you know they probably have new technologies and all that so um yeah i mean i'm hoping that it's successful so like these creative endeavors that disney is inventing we get more of them basically that's awesome so um like at this point of your podcast did disney reach out to you guys since you guys are like star wars influencers no, i guess at this point we, we they did do before the first voyage there was like a, a star wars influencer like voyage that went on like a, a week or so before us uh no we we bought tickets so um you know that goals for sure there's our oh, yeah. goals to get uh <laughs> acknowledged by uh by any lucasfilm entity um you know like I'm sure they know of us, but uh, yeah, for us to be like officially invited for free or anything like that, that didn't happen. We we forked out our own money. <laughs> like you said, though, goals, man. Yeah, it, exactly. Just keep it. Podcasting's a a grind, man. It it really yeah. is, as you know. At this point, it's mm-hmm. a lot of time it, goes into it, but yeah, I mean, it's worth it. You know, I think it's it's obviously it's fun. You have to be passionate about what you're talking about, and also realize that you don't need like a hundred thousand listeners you know a a good core base will will suffice obviously you always want to grow and and be more successful but there's so many podcasts obviously that you have to figure out what your niche is and then like make those people happy amen amen (laughs) so you know you're a man of many projects and you just announced uh a couple of days ago that you're going to be doing a children's book so i just want to hear all about that because that's so awesome (laughs) well i'm friends with uh a company over in the uk called he creative and uh they're kind of like a punk rock alternative rock like music oriented design company um and uh big star wars fans also which is actually kind of like our connection um our, our original connection and uh, they started to pump out books with like HR from Bad Brains, Toby from H2O. Um, they worked with Epitaph Records. Um, they, you know, they'll just do books like the ABCs of Punk Rock and Emo or E is for Emo is one of their books, something like that. So I, uh, I don't know. It's just one day I was just thinking about 
everyday life things you know like i don't know and somehow i would i was like we need to like i wish that it was simpler to tell kids how simple like how you need to be kind to people that are different from you as long as they're also nice and accepting you know and it's like you i feel like i've growing up like my parents did a good job thankfully um they kind of just let me do my own thing but didn't really push me in one direction or another but at the end of the day you know it was always like well if this person's being mean to you then don't associate with them and i think that what's happening in the world lately is like we're conflating like different views as like wrong views where basically the bottom line of my book is like be nice to everyone unless they're a dick you know it's a children's book so i'm not saying that (laughs) i'm not saying it that bluntly but if you know i have it as simple as like the one page that i've released so far is like some people like dogs some people like cats and that's okay you know it's not i like dogs and you like cats you're wrong you know like that's where the world seems to have been heading in the last couple of years so it's just like no there could be conflicting ideas and as long as people like are kind and have a uh a, a general uh appreciation for each other then it's fine that people are different we should celebrate the differences instead of looking at them as a negative thing so um i'm only smart enough to write a children's book i can't write an actual novel so <laughs> i went down the road uh of just writing out the 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 story kind of uh sent it over to my friends and they were they were interested in doing it so that's uh for pre-order right now um everybody who pre-orders it i'm going to put to little put together a little like video of me reading it uh like just doing a read through um so anyone who pre-orders it will get that and i think it's going to press next month so um yeah i won't have it on tour or anything like that but because i think it's actually gonna go to press as far as i know next month Okay, I'm yeah. I'm gonna have to pre-order a copy because yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a third grade teacher, and that sounds like a perfect awesome. like beginning of the year read aloud. Yeah, that's great. I, yeah. I hope you do do that. Yep, definitely going to. So, um, before we talk a little uh, New York Rangers hockey, I just mm-hmm. want to you know talk about just you know 21, 22 years ago when when Bayside was you know starting out and. Mm-hmm. uh you know the the Long Island music scene because you know we grew up there. Uh, I'm, we're actually from the same hometown, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a special place. And a lot of those bands are still around and, and very important bands in the alternative music sphere. So, mm-hmm. you know, I I just want to hear like your experience of let, let's just say the downtown. So like that that place for me is so important. And and if Mm -hmm. Tom was here too, he would say it as well. Like when we were first going to shows in 2001, 2002, Mm -hmm. that was the place. And you're a couple of years older than us. Mm -hmm. So like, do you have that connection to the downtown? Like, like I like that, that's my place. Yeah. I mean, I, there was a time in my life where I would like daydream about playing shows and for some reason it was always at the downtown. And, but that just had to do with like the layout of it kind of like, and that for a good portion of my early Bayside career, like that's where our, some of our, like at the time, our bigger shows were. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started going to shows, you know, when I was 15 maybe. Um, and that was always 
it was such a crapshoot because they would either be in VFW halls or like really shitty bars or warehouses and nothing was really I don't want to say nothing was legal, but shows were getting shut down by cops a lot. <laughs> um, obviously, no one was doing anything wrong. They were like $5 shows in warehouses where everyone was straight edge. And it was just, you know, it was unlawful gathering, basically. But uh, something like the downtown being able to properly put together shows and host touring bands and stuff like that was is pivotal. You know, I don't I don't think the downtown was very big. I think it was like maybe 500 people fit in there. So oh, yeah. it wasn't a very big place, but it was important to have a legal place for bands to play, which is probably why right before like that emo boom happened in the early 2000s, it was really important to have a proper place for like, for instance, Motion City Soundtrack to show up and play, you know, because a band that was i saw them there (laughs) yeah yeah i I kind of feel like i played with them at some point there i don't really remember um i don't know if that was bayside or i don't know um but yeah i mean it was very much so uh an important place but yeah i'm a little older so like my my places had a lot to do like the places i went to go see shows was more like vfw halls and in particular, in Lindenhurst, uh, there was the nonprofit organization called the People with AIDS Coalition, and the, it was PWAC for short. That was where I went to my first show, some of my favorite shows ever, um, and that was just a warehouse off Route 109, <laughs> and that was there for years. And uh, I think because it was attached to a nonprofit, I think we got a little bit of leeway there. Um, and there was also just like a lot of space for people to hang so they didn't have to be like kind of out in public that much so if there were a couple hundred people at at the show they would just be like in a parking lot not near any businesses it was there wasn't much to complain about for people um so so yeah i mean i think once people like for instance like christian mcknight who's still a promoter um with live nation now like once once he really started to like find places to properly put on legitimate shows i think that really solidified a lot of the scene for for long island now like when you were in that moment like the the emo boom in Mm -hmm. the early 2000s did you like realize how special like all the bands on long island at that time were like were you you aware of just how special it was or was it just kind of like, um, you know, it's hard. It's twofold because first of all, I'm talking like I'm 23, 24. And my, my own personal story was a little weird because I, my band silent majority, which was like a bigger band on long Island at the time, like not many were bigger in that like 97 to 2001 era. Um, we had broken up in 2001, early 2001, I want to say. And I, I, I kind of had a weird couple of years after that because I was super bitter that we broke up. Like I was, I loved being in the band. I felt like we had so much more to give. And there was, it was like pre-social media. So we were like really only big on Long Island and then like randomly in North Carolina because we would like play there once every couple of months or something like that. Um, We had only done like one or two full US tours and it was hard in 1998 to know touring bands, you know, like, so we would go on tour and if there was 15 people at the show, we'd be like, well, I hope they liked us and I hope they come back next time with some friends. It's not, it's a pre-social media, uh, and internet, uh, touring was for sure strange, but, um, I don't like, because from like 
the ages of 21 to about 24, I didn't really go to shows a lot on Long Island. Like I was aware of what was going on with like Taking Back Sunday and stuff like that. But it, there was a sense of I'm young and I'm jealous because my band broke up. And not for nothing, the first time I heard Taking Back Sunday, I was like, they sound like my band that just broke up. <laughs> what? And they're so popular. What the hell? Um, so that, w- that was like me just being a little like immature. But I was 23 years old. So um, then once I joined Bayside and we've never not been like a middle class band, then I start to have another part of me that's jealous that's like, why is my chemical romance so big? Why is <laughs> why is brand new so big? Like what what are we doing wrong? You know, why'd Hawthorne Heights just run ten laps around us? What are we doing? You know, it's like and you, you just I always come back to this point now that music and entertainment in general is like not a meritocracy. It's not all about hard work, you know, like you people get breaks here and there. So it's not just how hard you work. Hard work will like keep you afloat. Um you have to be some sort of talented and people gotta like you. So um to answer your question, because I don't think I did yet, <laughs> uh, it, it felt special. It felt like things were blowing up when like, you got to play something like Skate and Surf Festival in New Jersey, and it was like every band from the genre, or most bands from the genre, and there were thousands of people there. And it was like, wow, it's really having a moment. you know. And I, I think like this was like the generation after Green Day, too. This was like Blink-182 generation. So, And Blink-182 was taking out Saves the Day, and Newfound Glory, and bands like that. And it was like, wow like um, this next generation of bands that we're like kind of playing with are on MTV. They're pl- playing with Blink-182. Like they're kind of right there. So there was always something, you know, and then obviously like Mike Chem blew up and Paramore blew up and like we played with those bands, you know? So like it was, it was a really cool thing to start seeing those bands be, even though like MTV wasn't what it was in the eighties or early nineties, it still existed then. And it was cool to see that like bands, from our genre succeed and be uh on mtv or or fuse or something like that yeah it it was uh like even for someone that was a fan it it was it it, i I don't know how there hasn't been like a movie about it (laughs) yet because it was just so such an important time for alternative music Mm -hmm. and I, i i don't know if it's going to be like mainstream like that ever again you know with being on teen movies and you know trls and steven's untitled rock show like (laughs) that i just can't see that happening again. well everything's so fragmented now because of the internet which i think is is i i would say it's a positive thing because like i said about like there's a million podcasts and you know you only need either a couple hundred couple thousand people to like feel successful and have it's like kind of the same thing with a band you know like there are bands that probably have like satellite radio or tiktok hits like you said that can't draw 1500 people like we can you know like yeah but i would kill to get the strangest faces video to have a million views you know i would like if it's not gonna happen i know it's not gonna happen i'm not holding my breath but some kid on tiktok could do something and have a million views in two days and it's like all right well i'm we're gonna sell more tickets than you (laughs) like i don't know (laughs) it's i don't like i wish there was uh I, i wish it was a little less sporadic with how things went and you could kind of, like I said, work hard towards something, but it's just not how things go. Now I'm just curious because, uh, you know, in that long Island circle that you guys were running in was one of my favorite bands and still one of my favorite bands as tall as lions. And mm-hmm. like, do, do, are you aware of 
Dan and what he's like gone on to do now. Like he just I've heard won- like some chatter here and there, but I, yeah, fill me in because I don't really. I'm not. Yeah, know he, for he, sure. So he just won a Grammy. He produced that Olivia Rodrigo album. Oh, nice. Album, awesome. So yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. Like to hear like his name in pop culture circles, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> wait, that's as tall as lines. Like that is yeah. Long Island <laughs> that's band great. right there. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. kind of wild. Yeah, no, that's cool. I did not know that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it just shows the type of talent that was really on Long Island at that time. Like, yeah, these musicians I mean, were the, just unbelievable. Yeah, and there, there's there's something about like believing in yourself and like liking liking what you do, and maybe your band didn't necessarily work out, but not being like, well, my band didn't work out, so let me go uh, get an office job. You know, like some people are just like music moves them and is their life and maybe the band didn't work out but songwriting or producing or touring in another sense work does work out you know so there there's a couple of people that i would say that i like grew up with from you know 95 through now that i'm like oh that dude's guitar teching cool you know like i i I used to go to shows with him you know it's like he became a lifer kind of thing and then most people aren't that way most people are like office job people after a certain point and I don't know. It just, it shows like to a lot of people, unfortunately, like finding the scene is like a moment in time, you know, like it's a, it's a dare I say trend for a lot of people, you know, and then they're embarrassed to see pictures of themselves when they're 21. And it's like, I'm not embarrassed. I'm still (laughs) like, yeah, my hair sucked back then, but like, (laughs) I'm still doing it. I believed in it since I was, since I started playing music. So is a big deal, you know, and it it's, feels good. I'm glad that I'm still doing it. I don't ever think I won't be doing it in in some respect, and uh, that's like my goal now that I'm older. You know, I'm like kind of middle aged. I'm like, I, it was always like, oh, I hope I could keep this going, and now it's like, no, I know I could keep this going. Like this will be good, you know. Like it's you see bands like Bad Religion, and they're pushing sixty at this point, and they're touring, you know just as much as you know maybe maybe not as they ever did but they're touring a lot so it's like as long as health is on your side and uh, hopefully we don't have any more pandemics it's like yeah i'm sure people are going to see bayside for the next 20 years at least <laughs> yeah it, it it's funny because uh one of my good friends from from high school when he went to uh school to be a a trumpet player so like he he studied jazz at university of miami and he ended up landing a gig with Casey and the Sunshine Band. <laughs> so, like, obviously, disco has come and gone, and like, it's yeah, not yeah. around anymore. But he was like, "Yo, come out to a show one time. You got to see like just how crazy it is." I was like, "All right, I'll go." And it was like him and Taylor Dane, like Casey and the Sunshine <laughs> Band, and Taylor Dane, and they filled a whole entire like abandoned airport. Like yeah. it was an abandoned airport yeah. in upstate New York filled the whole entire place Mm -hmm. and this is you know probably 30 40 years after disco was taking off and you know he he, that dude has made a career of it he's Mm -hmm. just gonna be you know shake your booty or shake your groove thing for forever probably playing like county fairs or something you know yeah forever and it's that there is you know i think there's a part of getting older where you know you're nostalgic for a time or or nostalgic for things that made you feel happy before you had like adult kind of things going on um that happens to every generation and i do i do think that because 
our band's been a band for going uh, 22 years at this point we're seeing the people who were like 15 when they found out about us they're 35 now and they they're nostalgic for when they didn't have a mortgage and kids and <laughs> and stuff like that and that's a real thing you know that's why things from our youth like entertainment from our youth is getting remade now because this is just the, the actual like circle of life is like people in our age group are now like hollywood producers and they're like you know it would be cool let's make a chippendales rescue rangers uh series for disney plus you know it's like i used to watch that every day after school now i'm a producer let's do this and like that's gonna keep happening to every generation it's just it's like a weird part of just i don't know capitalism you know it's like it's easy it's super easy to just like prey on nostalgia which you know i don't i'm i feel like i'm using weird words but i'm all for it <laughs> I, I don't know if i'm all for the mighty ducks rebrand though that that, that one uh yeah wasn't it was just me. not for us i feel like yeah Disney was it just wasn't. like we're gonna use this this intellectual property and it's gonna be for kids it's not gonna be for people who were kids <laughs> yeah true that well i do want to jump in and, and talk a little rangers hockey but before yeah. i do that I just have to let know about our sponsor real quick so um hockey fans the pursuit for the stanley cup is on in DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nhl has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports new customers can bet five dollars on any team to win and get one hundred dollars in free bets no matter what win or lose looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility apply. Notes for details. So let, let's uh, let's talk Rangers, man. So yeah. I, I was a little worried when we decided to uh, record today after game <laughs> three, and I was like, Geez, if they're down 0-3, I don't know how happy Nick's going to be. Yeah. But here we, here we are, and uh, you guys pulled off a a, a pretty uh, exciting performance and, and pulled off the team. So how, how are you feeling about the series and especially about today's win? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been wild. Like, just to talk about the whole year in a nutshell. Like, anyone I hear talking about, like, especially – before the all-star break, like how much Shesterkin is like just the reason why the Rangers are good. I'd be like, yeah, I know you're right. Like the team's playing like garbage, but like they're winning, you know, like they're finding their way after the all-star break. And even before the trading deadline, way different team. And they were winning a lot more than the trading deadline. They crushed. So they, they looked like a legitimate team. I was happy when they got the penguins in the first round. Cause I knew they were better than the penguins. I knew it'd be sketchy to play, Crosby and Malkin and Latang, and for the first time all year the Rangers were just not playing well and that was really hard for me to accept because I knew they were a good team I knew they were a better team than the Penguins um 
and they were handing the penguins leads and games and all this stuff and that was truly like the worst i've felt since like our last kind of cup run years like where we would go to the eastern conference finals and the stanley cup finals like those were years where i had expectations and that's kind of the thing here is like i had expectations of the rangers to definitely if they're going to play well beat the penguins and they were just game after game handing the penguins goals leads wins all of it so then they finally they looked nervous too like they truly looked nervous like i it even Steven Valaket on one of the like post games were like, they're, they're choking. And I'm like, thank you for using that word. The Rangers are truly choking right now. Um, they figured it out. And my main goal going into the playoffs for them, like what I wanted to see the most, my expectation was for they're a young team. I wanted them to win. I wanted them to face adversity and do well in the face of adversity. And like I said, they were choking and they figured it out. And now in the second round, these are the three best games they've played so far. They're down two games to one, but they've played the three best games, like full, complete. They don't look nervous. And the Hurricanes are a hell of a team. So, like, I'm – when they beat the Penguins, I was like, all right, this was kind of my Stanley Cup for the Rangers this year. I wanted the kids to learn. The kids looked great. Um, they got the nerves out of their way, and, like, that's really it. Like, I don't expect them to win the Cup this year, but in order to win a Cup in the next couple of years, hopefully – they need to go through this process. They need to lose. They need to know what it's like to be in a away arena with, you know, it going nuts. So I'm happy with how they pulled out the first round. I have no expectations for the second round, but they lost the first game in overtime. They lost the second game, basically one to nothing. And then they won today. So I'm like, they're, they're playing great. Like they're playing as good as they can. And, uh, I have thoughts on specific players and stuff like that, but I feel good. And I, I don't know. I'm not a normal sports fan. I'm not like a, like my obviously wins and losses are all of sports, but I'm big into the process. Like the process matters to me. So when they were winning early in the year and they looked like shit, I was like this, this isn't sustainable. This is not good. And then when the process was right and they were playing better, I was like, cool, this is how I want to win. I don't want to win at all costs just so I could like talk crap to you about the Islanders. It's like, no, <laughs> I want, I want, I want my team to do well and I want them to play right. So, um, so they're playing right right now, you know, like they need some more consistencies from players, some certain players, but, uh, but they're, they're hanging in there. Now, is it only been two years since the letter or is it th- three years since the letter no it's i think it's four or five. Oh, really it's been yeah, that yeah. man like the pandemic has screwed everything yeah, up man i feel like the, yeah. like years have just passed and yeah if i felt like that was yesterday mm-hmm. yeah i think so, it was two seasons like in the middle of if this makes sense the middle of two seasons before the pandemic <laughs> but so this to, would be to, like the fifth year i would say to do like a complete overhaul that quickly mm-hmm. like that that's that's uh pretty impressive man yeah. like you mentioned the islanders and i was like really promising myself to not talk about them much but like <laughs> it was like a 15 year rebuild for us yeah. so like to do it so quickly it is pretty impressive yeah i mean it's i mean it's a different time like i think hockey players are so like if you play fantasy hockey, you know how hard fantasy as ho- hockey has gotten in the last five years or so because all the players oh, are the same except for like the top ten. 
they're all the same. Like there's so much, same thing with like, I'm not a big baseball guy, whatever. Like there's so much coaching with athletes that only this superstar freak of nature athletes like Connor McDavid or Nathan McKinnon, those are the superstars. And everyone else is like, yeah, we score 60 points a year. Like everybody does that now. And it's because of hard work and coaching and systems. work ethic, you know, it's systems, all that type of stuff. So it, fantasy hockey's gotten incredibly hard because there's five good goalies. Well, there's five great goalies. Everyone else is a good goalie. Um, and then same thing with skaters. It's like the, the, from second line down on like every team is like kind of all the same players. So that's, that's made the NHL like hard to pick here and there. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's fun to watch, but the, the, the actual, like, like we're watching Connor McDavid just literally will his entire team, like <laughs> to win some games here and there. Like they're winning four nothing right now. I don't, I don't know how many points he has, but it's crazy to watch. That's how good he is. He's the only player in the world if that could do what he's doing because that team stinks. <laughs> so you, you mentioned Connor McDavid, but I think it was because uh, our homies and calling all captains were playing the tailgate before the the game today, and they got them all pumped up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it, it's cool when uh, teams are starting to mm-hmm. in, embrace some bands from the alternative scene mm-hmm. in in their yeah. like pregame stuff and yeah, and yeah. whatnot. I love it. Yeah, we had uh, around our album killing time which was like 2011 or so um they played one of our songs in msg a couple times i was i got a little friendly with uh ray castoldi who's like the organist and like the dude who plays the music and uh he played it a couple times when i wasn't there but whenever that was like my heyday of going to like games all the time and i would kind of like tweet at him like hey i'm at the game play some bayside and he would (laughs) so uh that that was cool hell yeah that's awesome and I'm I'm not sure if you've been have been watching like the the actual ESPN feeds, but they brought back like their theme song yeah, from yeah, back in the day, mm-hmm. and they picked uh, that band Joy Wave mm-hmm. to to do it, which is kind of cool nice. too. I didn't know that. Yeah, That's cool. Yeah, no, I've I've been on board. Like I, you know, I the NBC broadcast for however long it's been, I was just like, there's it's. If I'm watching on Game Center, I always pick the Canadian feed because it's so much better. And really, like TNT and ESPN, I think immediately did a way better job. Like I was so into watching all the panels; just everything about it was so much better right away than NBC was doing. So I'm I'm very happy with what their presentation. Now, do you do you miss your your Rangers broadcasters during the playoffs? Because I truly, sure. truly wish that the nhl would change that where you yeah. could still get your like local feed for mm-hmm. the playoffs yeah i heard so i was doing an airport drop off uh and i missed like the first five minutes of today's game and i put the espn radio feed on when i was driving and it was sam rosen and dave maloney so i was like oh there you guys are okay <laughs> you're on the radio got it i'll luck out a little bit here and there depending on what game it is um kenny albert will be calling it and he's the normal uh one of the normal rangers radio guys so i'm like that feels a little bit more like home but yeah i mean it takes a little bit away from it i was lucky enough in 94 to have sam do it so i don't know like to to call that cup for the rangers so i don't really i don't remember what it was like in 2014 if the rangers had their own broadcast for the finals or not i I honestly don't remember but yeah i mean i'll i'll take a cup however whichever way i could get it <laughs> but uh it would be great to have sam to hear sam do that yeah it 
I, I, don't, I, I guess I don't watch many other sports <laughs> as Same. much as I do as hockey, I so don't. I don't know if that's what they do in other sports, but it feels just like you're you're the it's the most exciting time in the season. You've spent the entire year with this broadcast team, and then you like take them away when you, you need them the most, totally, and like yeah. where they aren't just like saying oh yeah he grew up in this town he played with this guy and it's like they they keep recycling like the same bios about like players and it's just yeah. like we get it like yeah johnny Gondreau is from, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. from wherever like it's just it's it's over and over again mm-hmm. so i i i wish that they would just let the the local guys do it for yeah people that want it yeah it's weird because i feel i mean i guess people have if they like the espn guys i'm just like why not just have sam do it you know like it still be espn work something out like why does it have to be like a random guy who like has no affiliation to anything like who is this is like the most generic i mean they're good i don't really ever have a problem you know who i really do love actually and i'm glad i get to see him more now is ray ferraro i think he's really good he's really good at what he does yeah he's mostly in, like tsn though right or Sportsnet. i'm not sure but during the regular espn i know that much yeah that's a good old uh, Islander reference right there. <laughs> and Ranger, weird, oddly enough. Yeah, not too Ranger. many of those. Yeah. You know, as you would think, down the road you would get it more often than mm-hmm. than we do. But yeah, it's like less now. I feel like than ever. Yeah, I, I like Ryan Strom is probably the last one I can think of. Right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else. But yeah, I mean, I you know, I'm I'm happy. I was explaining to someone today about Rangers Hurricanes. I was like, I, you know, I, it would be insane if they went any further than this series, but I'm just right now. I'm just like, I want to go seven games because I'm going to miss them until October. <laughs> you know, like that's how I'm looking at it. And I got my, my expectations already fulfilled. I think that the kids are learning. They face adversity. They, they are learning what it takes. So a couple of lineup tweaks. I mean, not for nothing, I think some of me some of my friends are debating whether Panarin's hurt, and I'm like, he's not hurt. He's just has he's not straying from his game. He's putting up points. Like he's not terrible right now, but he is not like an eleven million dollar elite player right now. You know, like that's what he's getting paid like. And he is out there getting tossed around like a rag doll and he's slowing down the play like as if he's playing like the Coyotes in February. You know, like it's he has no time and space, and that's what the Hurricanes and the Penguins have both. That's the game plan, and he's just not changing how he plays. Like you got to change a little bit in the playoffs, and he's not. And yeah, he had that big game seven winner, which I'm like, of course he did, but he is just not like elite right now. Like I think he had an assist today, cool, but when he gets the puck, it's off his stick and like going the other way more so than not these days so that's that's a bummer it's it's crazy they've gotten this far like on the back of obviously like decent goaltending but then like the kid line has been great they're not really putting up too many points but i think that they're showing that the penguins and hurricanes really care about like the panarin line and the zabinajad line so then the kid line is getting like the third pair defensemen and like they're having a little bit easier of a time but they're actually stepping up so the, the actual like line of first round draft picks like Heedle, um, Lafreniere, and Kako, they look great. So that's that's cool. Um, 
And Zabinajad is my favorite player. Like he's half Persian. I'm half Persian. Like he's always been my favorite favorite player, even before he was a Ranger. Um, and he's he's stepped up a lot. He's had, he's had some games that were invisible, but I mean he's going up against Crosby. You know, like he's going up against Jordan Stahl right now. It's like he at least looks like he's trying, and it it works here and there. Him and Kreider have really figured out how to be like professional adult hockey players, and it's great. Well, that that line was all over the ice today. Yeah. Like, I, I I feel like that line won the game, one hundred percent. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been cool, and uh, you know, same thing with Fox. I think he's he's still putting up points. These guys are like putting up points, but you don't see them taking over games or shifts like you would want them to at like their their price point at their salary. Um, so I think that's what they need to learn is how to become a little bit more of a playoff team. Because you watch Tampa play and you watch, you know, to a certain extent, the Canes play. And it's just like, oh, that's how you win Stanley Cups. It's like no, no East West BS, you know, it's like go to the net and put the puck in the net. And like, that's what the Rangers could use a little bit of right now. It's like, stop looking for that extra pass. Stop passing up like a shooting lane to try and make your second or third fancy pass like dude, this is not, you're not playing Columbus in October right now. This is for all the marbles, like shoot the puck. <laughs> and and that's kind of like, you know, I, I, I watched the hurricanes closely since I live in, in North Carolina now. And that team is just so explosive. They're so fast. And like when, when the Islanders play them, it's, it's night and day how much faster they are than, mm-hmm. than most teams. Like they're just explosive. Yeah. And, their fan base. Oh my God. I, (laughs) I, I, you know, growing up on Long Island, you, you, you just naturally have like back and forth between Islander and Ranger fans, Mm -hmm. but hurricane fans, man, being in the building for the, the, the sweep a couple of years ago, it was brutal. Like I've never gotten it like that at a Ranger game or Islander Ranger game. Like that was really like kind of, scary yeah. like i well, did I, not I, feel safe i think that most sports are like that right now and i i think that it's like comes to it comes from like a lot of division in the world honestly i think that i think that sports is a sense of escapism but like unhealthy fanaticism is about you being better than somebody else. And like, that's not the kind of sports fan I am. I mean, I only watch hockey and I only, I watch hockey because of like my investment of time and my players on my team and I want them to do well so I could be happy. It has nothing to do with me. Like I said earlier, like talking shit to somebody else, you know, like I, yeah. I'm, I have never been that way. I'll make fun of like to my friends of island like islander stuff because it's funny like uh, it's not like you guys suck you know like it's not mean-hearted i'll say funny shit and they'll laugh you know (laughs) and then i'll take it back i'll take the same thing you know like it's fine but uh yeah i think that there's a there's like a real it's more so than ever like i i could be an msg today and be like i hate all these people like i hate every (laughs) well uh, you're all cheering for the same thing right now but i hate all these people i know that they're like jerks (laughs) jerks <laughs> well you saw that in toronto at when yeah. they got eliminated there was a brawl between maple leafs fans they yeah, were just yeah. fighting each other yeah and it's like it's, holy cow i mean they're they're a whole other special thing <laughs> i mean i listen to a lot of uh like Sportsnet podcasts like jeff marrick and all that like that's my daily like hockey go-to and 
you know, I know a lot about the Leafs because of that, like Nick Kiprios and Justin Bourne. Like I, I listen to a lot of Maple Leaf talk and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always pulling for them because that they give me anxiety. They're not even my team and they give me anxiety because I want them to do better. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the, them and Edmonton are just these anomalies, man. I'm like, I, it would drive me nuts to be like, Oh, we have the best players in the world and we can't win. We can't, we refuse to play defense. Like we refuse to play defense or have a good goalie. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. It, um, I, I think it's just the cap and, and try, yeah. like, especially for Toronto, mm-hmm. they they have to get so creative with yeah how they put together their lineup. And this is the year just... that they're finding like, oh, this is the back end of Tavares's contract that we were all worried about now. It's like, he's losing a step. I'm like, man, this is rough. This is yeah. really rough. <laughs> it's, it's going to be for sure. Yeah. So, I'm not going to put you on the spot asking you who's who's going to to win the cup, but mm-hmm. out of like you know the the Florida series, who do you, who do you got there? And then the the Battle of Alberta, mm. wh- what do you got? Uh, I, when you know Rangers, notwithstanding, I always kind of start to root for players and storylines and stuff like that. So, um. I kind of don't care about Florida. I, I like what they did this year. I just, I want them to like be good for a while so they could like build their fan base. You know, like I don't need them to win it all this year. Three peating for Tampa, like, I guess that's good for the sport, but I don't really care if they three peat, you know, like, don't need that. Um, when it comes to like Calgary, love Matthew Kachuk, wish he was a Ranger. Like, I just, I love that type of player um i would love for a canadian team to win that would be cool um let's see edmonton i think is is until further notice they're just uh, i think they're clowns you know like i can't the the whole organization i'm just like last summer when they re-signed mike smith i was just like all you needed was a goalie and you re-signed the guy who like he gives me so much stress watching him play because he play. <laughs> he has such a, like, he has a stressful style. Um, I went to a couple of Kings Oilers games last, in the first round, and it was, it was insane how he plays. Like, I don't know how his teammates can feel secure with him in the net because of some of the stuff he does. It's crazy. Um, and he's getting old now, too, at yeah, this point, right? He's, he's, uh, he might be 40. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. So, um, but he's just so rogue. I don't know. It's just, it doesn't instill confidence. Um, so I don't know. Oilers, like I have more respect for the Leafs this year than I do the Oilers. The Leafs at least, like, yeah, they got a rough draw because of the way wild cards and stuff go and you play in the, the, the champs. Like, I, it's tough. The Leafs played better. I don't think they choked this year like they did last year or any of the other previous years. They just got a bad, bad draw and... uh yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with their cap. Uh, so what else is left? Who else, and who then else is in the West? Colorado. Oh, Colorado. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if Colorado doesn't, like, win the cup, I don't know. Like, I don't know who does. You know, like, St. Louis is going to put up a fight, but Nathan McKinnon needs to, like, and Cal McCarr need to, like, just do what McDavid's doing right now and be like, nope, we're definitely not losing in the second round again. <laughs> um, so... So yeah, we'll see. I think I, I, I think the like Canes, there's... the Canes and Tampa should be. It should be like Canes, Tampa, Colorado, and I'll, I'll say Calgary. That should be the final four. 
Yeah, and it, it just feels a little refreshing. There's some good storylines, like mm-hmm. having the, the Battle of Florida, the Battle of Alberta. Like, yeah. those are good storylines. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Rangers back in the playoffs. And I, I, I think uh, this year, it, it's definitely got me still watching. Usually mm-hmm. at this point, I'm, I'm like a bitter Islander fan. Yeah. And I just like, I, I'll watch games when they, they pop on, on on like a Sunday or a Saturday. But I'm, I'm invested, so... Mm-hmm. It, it, well, it's good this year too that like you know upsets are cool, but then ultimately, nine times out of ten, the first round upset is like gone in the second round. You know, like very rarely do they go on runs. So you're a hockey fan; you want to see the best on the best. So like that's why I don't really like love the wild card. I think it should always be like one versus eight or something like that. And like, uh, I don't know. Like Boston and Tampa were the wild cards. Like, come on. Like, they're legitimately could win the Stanley Cup. Like, I know they probably had weird regular seasons, but, like, Toronto got a rough deal, you know? Like, the Canes almost got a rough deal. They went to seven games with the Bruins. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like it's not the best, uh, the best way we could run the playoffs. That's for sure. Well, it's way better than the AHL and how they (laughs) run it. So, yeah, (laughs) at least it's, at least we're better than the AHL. Yeah, yeah. So right now, you know, I think, I mean, is there any underdog, like, in the second round right now? Like, any, like, there were no upsets in the first round, right? I I, I consider kind of the Rangers being an underdog right now in yeah, this series. Was, but, like, even just seeding-wise, they were, well, yeah. in this series, yes. I mean, in the first round, every, the higher seed moved on every time, every round, I believe. Right? Rangers were higher. Florida was higher. Oh, Tampa was not. So that was technically an underdog. But yeah, not really. <laughs> like like you mentioned though, the seeding, it, it's hard to even keep track of who's the like who, yeah, who's yeah. got the lower seed at this point. Yeah. With the the their whole wild card system that they got. Mm. But Nick, let's let's plug away real quick because you know, mm. you, you you got that killer tour with Thrice coming up in a couple of yep. days. So are it that's that's making its way across the east coast right i i saw a new york Kinda date or like, albany date it's it's yeah it's like northeast midwest it's not even east coast like i don't think we go any further south than like uh baltimore or something like that so like mid-atlantic kind of um but yeah co-headlining with thrice we've got a band called anxious opening up they're a younger band um i'm really stoked for i mean the whole tour but we because of covid our actual hometown show on our 21st anniversary tour was a little weird we we tried we played terminal 5 which would have been like the biggest venue that we've headlined in new york but at that time new york city didn't allow any indoor events unless you were vaccinated so everyone at a show had to be vaccinated so we were missing like hundreds if not like a thousand people because people didn't even have a choice to get like show negative tests so our hometown like 21st anniversary show was like the smallest new york city show we've had in probably a decade (laughs) um so that being said i'm really excited for our show we're playing pier 17 which is like outside with the city behind us um is that where it's like sad summer was probably i i know it's been around for a minute but i mean just you know if you're a new yorker and you like us like i really think it's going to be a really special night just to like see us with the city behind us outdoors during the summer in new york what what could be better than that seriously Um, yeah yeah so i'm really excited about that and i hope we get to like make up some of that uh bad luck we had with with covid and all that for our new york city show because that that you know 
we're from New York and it's crazy that like our New York show was less good than like our Chicago or Vegas show, <laughs> you know, be just because of circumstances. Um, so yeah, we got that going on. We're actually, we have a couple of shows in July too. We're playing with Manchester Orchestra and Group Love uh, out in Long Island in Patchogue. We have a, we're playing the Great South Bay uh, Brewery Festival. Oh, um, sick. Yeah. And then there's a couple more shows after that. Um, and then a bunch of festivals in the, in the, uh, in September and October, including, including when we were young, which is going to be a lot of fun out in Vegas. Oh, that that's, and who knows? They'll probably keep adding dates on, but <laughs> I hope man. as it gets closer. I don't know why they stopped at three. I thought it would be <laughs> four for sure because the things sold out in like seconds every time. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I love Vegas. Like I consider that one of my like second homes, honestly, like I, I just truly love it. Um, and they love Bayside, which is great. So I'm really happy that we get to be a part of that festival. Yeah, it it definitely uh, got people talking, and yeah. it, it was uh, it it came out of nowhere. I'm sure you guys obviously all knew, but like you know, it's for... if you have a second, it's really crazy because when we were on our anniversary tour, our booking agent came in and was like, "All right, so there's this big festival in Vegas. All I could tell you is Mike Ken's one of the headliners. Do you want to do it?" And we we're like, "Okay, sure." <laughs> Literally, like why there was so much confusion about it is because bands didn't know the lineup. I think that the pitch was my chems playing it. Do you want to play? And, and we were like, all, sure, that's all you that's need. All um, wow. A week or so before we heard the other headliners power more. And I was like, Oh wow, this is going to be like huge. So really to see that every band of, from our genre was on it was a shock to a lot of people. So I think that that, uh, fake news has never come closer to my life like my personal life uh, the, i did a whole radio show debunking every single thing that like people were making up you know <laughs> like so quickly people forget how warp tour worked people are like how is a, how are these many bands gonna play in one day i'm like what <laughs> like warp tour's only been dead for like under a decade <laughs> like what are you talking about <laughs> Do you remember seeing 20 bands in a day? Like I think everyone was minutes. like, I don't know. Everyone was just mad that it wasn't happening in their city. Yeah, and they were like, yeah. shit, man, I can't get to Vegas. Like, yeah. <laughs> totally. that's that's at least what I felt. I was like, oh, why couldn't this be on yeah. the East Coast so I could get to it a lot easier? Yeah. I mean, maybe I mean, uh, I would consider it a success already because it sold out like probably 150,000 tickets total, like in minutes. So, yeah, maybe there's. Like my my uh, what I said about the Star Wars Star Cruiser, it's like new ideas that are good ideas need to be supported, so we keep getting new iterations of them. So like hopefully this goes off without a hitch, and yeah, maybe next year it'll be East Coast West Coast or something like that. You know, like do or a tour or something like that. I don't know. I'm making things up. I have no knowledge, but if it goes well, I'm sure <laughs> uh, there'll be more dates or more cities or something. Why wouldn't there be? Amen. Well. I wish you the best in all your projects. Wish you the best on on these tours and festivals, man. And I, I really hope that at least uh, you get a few more games of this series and maybe it goes to seven and it can happen in game seven. So, yeah, exactly. you know, I, I'm, I'm jealous that you're getting to watch hockey in sunny <laughs> weather. Well, you always live in sunny weather, so that yep, doesn't count. Exactly. But, like, <laughs> thing about watching hockey wearing shorts I just love it, so I'm, yep, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so here, how, here's how I know that the Rangers have not been in the playoffs in five years because this is my first postseason, Rangers postseason. I've lived in California for five years now, so it has been that long. That whole bubble nonsense didn't really count. <laughs>
Yeah, they were in. I, uh, I agree. They I, were like the top twenty. They were like the twenty fourth team or something to make it that year, something like that. Yep, that was a weird year, and of course, that's the the year that the lifetime. It's yeah, you couldn't even go to those games. <laughs> so. Yep, exactly. Well, Nick, I, I truly appreciate you coming on here and another like 160 episodes to get you on for a third time. But uh, yeah, any any time. I got my own mic set yeah, up and, now. We're good. <laughs> and just, you know, two, two Deer Park boys who have made it in podcast land, I guess. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick, I'll let you go, man. Thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. See you.